0: The Consumer Electronics Show just wrapped up, Reed, in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, a lot of self driving cars and stuff like that, I noticed. And there was also some weird things that uh, made its way in there. I'm seeing a lot of things that really shouldn't be a thing, like the Mo Desk. Now you can have a portable desk no matter where you go. So they invented a lap. Welcome to Touchpoint a
2: podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us.
1: Now, here are your hosts. And welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode number 155. This is Touchpoint hosted, a course, by myself, Reed Smith, and Chris Boyer.
0: Hello, Reed of Touchpoint fame. I noticed that on LinkedIn... You just hit the three year anniversary with Touchpoint.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're coming up, I guess, technically on the launch of the first episode of the show, which was I want to say right at the beginning. I can't remember the exact date, but it's right at the beginning of February. So we're right on the cusp of rolling over year three into year four, uh, which is pretty exciting. Like I said, this is episode one fifty-five. So we've we've done this a few times at this point. We would not have been able to get to this juncture if it was not for our listeners. Thank you again for for doing that. I do want to give a plug for the website touchpoint.health. You can uh, learn a little bit more about this show and all the other ones on the network as well subscribe to our weekly email, the TPS report, where we aggregate and send out some industry news each and every Monday. Promise it's a quick read and would uh, love to have you join us there as well. Uh, We've got something today that we, I don't think, other than maybe in passing, have talked about on this show and should make for kind of an interesting discussion that's a little bit outside of the norm. So let's uh, take a quick pause and then we'll uh, be back and jump in. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial with customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors.
0: Sure is, and read. consider this, 86% of patients today read online reviews, and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating.
1: Demand, they demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty.
0: And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com touchpoint. That's reputation.com touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. You mentioned that this topic today is a little bit outside of the norm, which is kind of interesting. I've always thought about digital signage, which is what we're going to be talking about, as being a little bit outside of the norm of when we think about digital solutions as a digital professional in a hospital or health system. That's not to say they aren't important. They don't spring first to mind. You know, you think about mobile apps, you think about websites, social media, et cetera. Digital signage comes really last on the list.
1: If at all, in a lot of cases, certainly historically, Digital signage, uh, as I think about it, you know, was probably managed by ITNS as part of our facilities, even um, as part of brick and mortar type stuff, you know, putting TVs in the rooms and things like this. This kind of fell in that genre. So it may not even be something other than, you know, somebody needed a kind of a screensaver, for lack of a better word, for something that marketing even got involved with sometimes.
0: But if you think about it, you go out and interact in the real world as, you know, as we as people navigate through real life settings, both in restaurants, maybe even quick casual restaurants, going to the mall or wherever it may be you're starting to see more and more digital displays are all over the place. Some of them you can actually interact with. And, you know, like I was in Panera Bread the other day and I didn't have to talk to anyone at all. I just ordered it, pressed a button, took it, and they brought my food to me. You know, we're seeing more and more applications of digital signage, so to speak, in the real world. And we see that in healthcare too, don't we?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it is, I guess, expected. You pulled some stats here and... A lot of it's about recall rate and some of those types of things. And it says here in the retail world, the digital signage has a recall rate of 83% or nearly 80% of the customers say they entered a store because of the digital display. So you can imagine that obviously like in a mall or some sort of a larger building that has multiple stores in it and things like that, or even some of the outside malls. It does even, I think, help with the experience side of the equation, which we'll get into. You know, a stat here said that 29.5% of customers uh, said that, uh, you know, digital menus influence their purchasing decisions, that it helps maybe even shorten the wait time or even the, it didn't really shorten the wait time. Well, maybe it does, but maybe it's also the perception of weight because there's kind of an entertainment factor, I guess. Even in healthcare, it says that 75% of those viewing a digital sign within a hospital could recall at least one message that they saw on it.
0: One of the things why we don't really talk about it top of mind is because oftentimes digital signage is seen as like a little bit of a silo from the rest of the digital experiences. But today we're going to talk about you know, just generally setting the table around what digital signage actually is, some of the applications in healthcare, and then some of the advancements of how digital signage is now used with the Internet of Things. So there's a touchpoint buzzword right there if you're playing at home.
1: Well, to start off, of course, we'll take a peek over here at Wikipedia real quick just to make sure we're, we're level set and kind of on the same page. But digital signage purely is a technology uh, uses very much what you would think, you know, an LCD, an LED screen, that type thing, even, even a projection type process, uh, or e-paper. Uh, which that's interesting to display digital images, video, web pages, weather data, restaurant menus, uh, just straight copy or text,
0: and they're often found in areas where people can interact with them, like in public spaces, museums, transportation, like bus terminals and light rail terminals, stores. We mentioned that restaurants are using them more and more, and also in lobbies of hospitals, and and they're used for a variety of things, right? Wayfinding for providing marketing information, etc.
1: You know, it's interesting to think about kind of the way these things are used. You have what I guess what was initially made for, which was like people playing videos, you know, and things like that. But you keep mentioning restaurants, you know, that's more of static information in a lot of cases. But regardless, typically the way these things are are utilized is that they're they're networked or they're all tied together. And, and usually managed out of a central location or by a group or team or individual or whatever it may be. But they're pushing that content out to either all termination points or all the screens or maybe certain screens and things like that, uh, obviously, for, for messaging. And we're even seeing this on outdoor boards at this point. And so, again, advertising maybe it's purely about information, uh, entertainment, merchandising, et cetera, kind of depending on the audience.
0: Yeah, and there's other applications too. You know, Wikipedia lists a number of them. I, I've seen some digital signage where it actually portrays information like the local news or the local weather, or it can actually stream particular content that shows that public information. Other things that I, I see outside of the advertising and it could be used for wayfinding. That's a big use case of this to help people navigate through complex places. And these digital signages are are now utilized in a way that's very dynamic.
1: And that kind of took the place of the stuff you saw in the mall, right? Where you were looking at a static map in a lot of cases. For example, here in
0: the Twin Cities, the Mall of America has a really great dynamic navigation system. You go up and you kind of Punch in what you're looking for. It shows you all the different uh, stores that actually might sell that particular category or whatever. And then you hit directions, and it actually shows you the direction to get there. And says, so "Go down the escalator, go to level three, whatever." It's, it's really you know very specific. They're becoming very much interactive, where people actually are touching them and interacting with them. You, you can even play pseudo games with the experience, you know, where you're like, might be in a lobby where you could hit something and it'll change the
1: colors, et cetera. Looking at all these different use cases, I, I think the first kind of entry point we saw in healthcare specifically, at least were a couple of things. One was like in room kind of entertainment, you know, a way to push messaging across the TVs that were already in the patient rooms or in public spaces, like waiting areas and things like that. And then, then the wayfinding piece, uh, like you mentioned, became a big one because hospitals obviously evolve, add on, build, remodel, uh, stuff like that over time. And it becomes kind of cumbersome to figure out that's a different second floor, right? You know, and, it's, and you get into those, th- those kind exactly. of conversations. <laughs> wayfinding, obviously, um, has become, you know, kind of a big need there. Which leads to one of the first documents that we're going to re- refer to, which is a white paper
0: around digital signage in healthcare. Wayfinding is huge, and particularly as you think about uh, organizations, large, complex health systems, which, like you've mentioned this a number of times before, that could take over the size of a city block, and it's so hard to navigate. Wayfinding using, you know, just simply where the user inputs, I want to go here. We're even starting to see application where wayfinding and beaconing are being used to help navigate people through real time through an entire experience within a hospital system.
1: Yeah, I was trying to think when this was, you know, we were at the Mayo Clinic one year for the annual social media conference that's that's in the fall each year. This particular year, it was in Rochester. So it was probably a good five, six years ago, maybe at this point. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't Remember, but I remember Google had its like little robot thing there. We just happened to be there when we were there, and it was like mapping the facilities and stuff like that. Because again, Mayo Clinic's a great example. You know, you have like the clinic, and then you've got all the skywalks, you got the subway, you have doctor's offices, you have other hospitals. And trying to figure out, you know, if you went there for a day where, like, you're having testing in the morning and you're seeing doctors and looking at results in the afternoon and stuff, you've got to go to, like, a number of different places, like, in order. Not to mention, like, lunch in the middle or an eyeglasses place or get your haircut, or whatever that, that you can do there, like, in the subway. That's kind of an interesting one um, that yeah, I was thinking of when we were thinking about wayfinding. Obviously, wayfinding becomes, and the way hospitals are
0: changing so frequently. And I've worked in large health systems where you know the they routinely move offices, et cetera. Uh, using digital as part of your wayfinding is going to be much more inexpensive than having to go pull a sign off of a wall and reposting a new sign or, or whatever it may be. Plus, it reduces the clutter, right? So it gets rid of all those flyers <laughs> that they stick up on the walls and
1: <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, elevator flyers. But yeah, it does. And and I think, you know, another use case here uh, that they talk about in this white paper is donor res- uh, recognition. And so like that's an interesting one, right? Where typically, and not that this would ever go away, but you could buy the tile that goes on the wall and maybe it makes a design or something. And I've seen a lot of like NICUs have like an artistic like tree on the wall and you buy leaves, you know, and it gets attached or so like that's not going to leave necessarily from an art standpoint or an installation standpoint and, and nor should it. I think those are really cool. It makes a ton of sense, but it does give you an opportunity in other areas of the organization to recognize different folks for different reasons. And in this case, donors or benefactors. Maybe it's a time of year or it's a particular uh, instance where, you know, there's a naming of something going on and you can kind of showcase that around the organization, not just in that one area. One of the health
0: systems I worked at, we had a huge digital screen uh, implementation and the stage of an auditorium so that that could dynamically change depending on what was being presented. And that's where they would routinely have these sort of recognition events. Maybe they're opening up a new wing. Maybe they're like introducing a special presentation from a physician whatever suddenly now you have the backdrop instead of changing the whole set you could digitally manipulate and make that look different which is kind of powerful. And that leads to kind of like these interactive screens. And I've seen this a lot at children's hospitals, where you have these very uh, environment rich waiting areas, because, you know, at a children's hospital, oftentimes, there's families there with little children, and they could have, you know, the, the area where they could play with the toys, they could do various different things, digital screens are being applied there to provide little games for the children, motion sensors that can activate little loops of content, even dynamically changing the entire look and feel of a particular place. thematically, I see that as like a really great
1: impact. You do. You see that uh, commonly in children's hospitals. And, you know, the motion sensor stuff is interesting because when you walk by, you know, it does something and kind of grabs your attention, right? And then you can interact with it or whatever it may be. So that's that's kind of cool stuff, certainly. You know, one, and I mentioned it earlier, that was kind of an early installation, if you will, were waiting rooms. You know, people are sitting around. There's you know, magazines that are 18 months old on the end tables and stuff like that. But <laughs> it's a good opportunity to kind of have that captured audience, I guess, and, you know, be able to push content, whether it's relevant to... The service line of which this waiting room is attached to or other things that may be going on uh, etc but just a great place for information certainly like it's flu season
0: there's flu shots available or if there's a deal at the cafe that day or that sort of thing we're going to take a quick break here but why don't we after the break why don't we talk through a couple of other use cases and then briefly go into where the future of digital signage is going coming soon from Greystone bowstring and touchpoint media Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media.
1: The last couple of use cases in, in healthcare, not the, not last couple, I guess, but a few more to maybe consider, not that, you know, this stuff is kind of never ending to some degree and people get awfully creative, but one thing that we've seen is uh, the move from like just these screens being informational screens you're just consuming to actually engaging. We talked about that a minute ago with kind of the interactive screens like in the children's hospitals and things like that that's a very useful and, and beneficial piece is you know actually the reduction of paperwork And so you see where like people are getting the iPads and things like that in waiting rooms to actually you know, fill out information or it's like kind of a kiosk based scenario and reducing kind of that pen and paper uh, experience. That application is becoming more and
0: more common. I know that a lot of times you think about, well, I don't want to touch a screen in a healthcare setting where you know other people have been touching the screen, but the technology is evolving so that the screens stay pretty clean regardless of you know how they touch. Obviously, you can still hear about that. And I know recently there was a study, they tested the screens at McDonald's locations and they weren't too good. I still think that having that kind of self-service capability is very important. And related to that is many organizations I've been at, we've actually started to expose secure information onto these screens to help with, let's say, for example, it might be a waiting room outside of surgery we would, in a way that doesn't really disclose the patient information, we can actually show where people are in the stages of the surgery and give that special code to the family members that are waiting, or maybe the expected time when people can see their their patients. That really is exposing data from like the EMR and any other kind of backend systems to allow people to understand where they're at. And that becomes very relevant to the experience.
1: We've seen this for a while now, I guess, like at pharmacies like CVS or Walgreens or maybe the grocery. Store store where they'll have the screen with like, here are the prescriptions that are ready. And so when you show up, you know, not ready, ready in the queue, that kind of thing. And they've got it situated in a way that it's probably is a HIPAA violation, quite honestly, but I don't know how they get away with it. (laughs) But, you know, it it is convenient, that's for sure. Finally, uh, you think about education we've talked about a little bit, and you just talked about the you know exposing some of the secure information. But we've seen historically things like Google Glass, which uh, became almost a joke, I guess, to some degree. But some real uh, cool pieces of technology actually in Austin were created. A whole company was built around using Google Glass for pre-surgical checklists. That was really cool and, and kind of interesting use case for that. Uh, it was very specific, obviously there there are ways that we can you know probably look at digital signage or this digital execution of content being useful in the clinical environment certainly to educate other doctors, a, a great way to connect, uh, you know, physicians to one
0: another through these digital screens. Um, also, telehealth could be a really good application of that too, where you know you, the doctor may not be available, but there is a screen within the waiting room. Now, see, this is where it kind of blurs the line. Digital signage, you know, blurs the line because you can also see that application within the patient rooms themselves, where their TV screen suddenly becomes a digital sign that you can now interact with your care team dynamically through those screens. So there's a lot of different applications. And I think that there's more and more as we're starting to evolve. But the one thing that we kind of describe throughout all of this read is interfacing through primarily the digital screen. And it's almost like a one-to-one kind of communication, like you're broadcasting still through a screen. The last thing I think we could talk about here is the advancements of digital signage interacting with things outside of the digital screen, or as we like to call it, like the Internet of Things, right? There you go. Another,
1: Another three-letter acronym, IoT. So Internet of Things is is interesting in the sense, and just as a, a brief recap, these are, you know, connected devices in essence. You know, you start thinking about things like your smart home with the thermostats and the and the deadbolt that kind of work and talk together with your Google, you know, home device or whatever you may be using. That's all Internet of Things. It, you know, it's these connected devices. And now we're seeing things that are controlled via the internet within the walls of the hospital, like insulin pumps and IVs and things like that that may be plugged into the wall. I, I know, hist- you know, we had John Mason come on some time back and talk about that and the security risk involved in that, and that's kind of the evolution of the CIO now. It's you know less about you know what version of Windows you're running and more about all these devices that are connected. But this is the way that we're looking at now how digital signage is just kind of playing into that and not just being that passive delivery mechanism of content. And being something that you interact with, you know, we mentioned it a little while ago, talking about the children's hospitals, going back to that example, it uh, being able to get your attention, knowing that you're there, you as much of an input as an output in, in those types of things, right? Think about it. We've, we've been talking about this in other spaces for a
0: very long time, like Peloton, for example. What is that? That is an exercise bike that's attached to a digital sign. Yeah. And what it's doing is is picking up your information as you're exercising and transmitting it through this online community, so to speak. So you can actually race with others or do cycle classes with others. Over the, the holidays, I saw a real big push, and I think this was at CES as well, for a thing called Mirror, which is basically like a mirror that you can put up in your workout space It actually is detecting your actions as you're working out from your Fitbit, from your Apple Watch, whatever it might be. So now what we're doing is we're using these digital screen technologies as a way to interact with various different devices. Um, Your Fitbits, it could interact with, let's say you have a pedometer on you if you're walking around. Your mobile phone is a big one. I mentioned before the Mall of America example. You could say, give me directions to get to the store that I want to go to, and it will show you on the screen. And it also has a QR code that you can scan. And guess what? It now pulls up a dynamic map on your map application on your phone that will walk you to that store. Now think about the application of that in healthcare. It's suddenly going to become very, very, you know, powerful if you think about this.
1: It's somewhat similar, I guess, to the devices we have in our personal life where, you know, the first evolution was it's providing us feedback. Right. And then the second evolution is, is that we start interacting with it, you know, in real time and uh, it kind of going back and forth. And so a lot of the things that we've seen in the movies don't seem as far fetched now. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) I know what you're talking about. (laughs) What's interesting is like to go back and watch some of that stuff, like with my kids or whatever, because they don't find it near as It's like, yeah, okay. Like you think about Back to the Future and the self-lacing shoe. Thing. Well, that's real. Like Nike did that. Like they created that and it's a real thing. Like there's self lacing Nike shoes. Uh, I think it's called the Nike Nike Adapt or something like that. But anyway, when you watch that in the 80s, it's like, that's insane. Like that could never be a thing. And now it is. It's all going to be the sensory inputs in our life will almost be uh, constant, it seems like
0: and what you're alluding to there reed which is everybody's probably thinking about now is the the 2002 movie of Minority Report right where the person walks into the retail store and it says hey welcome mm-hmm. reed smith would you like a new pair of chinos or whatever it might be? And I, I think that that's we're going to get more and more to that. Who knows where the future will advance for sure. But with that, I think it's, this would be a good time for us to maybe pass this over to an interview that I recently did with a gentleman by the name of Mark Bennett, who runs a company called micro gigantic. What they do is they actually use uh, digital screens to create environments within health systems, but they also do it with, you know, a variety of other clients as well. And he will share in this interview not only how he's seen digital sign application evolve, but the impact it can actually have on a person emotionally as they interact with an experience and how you can start thinking about digital signage as not only just a thing to communicate to, but you can actually help shape their moods and their emotions as they are within an experience uh, in your real real life health system. So let's do that right after the break. Welcome back to the Ask the Expert section of the podcast. And today I am talking face-to-face with someone here in beautiful downtown Minneapolis, I guess uh, the North Loop of Minneapolis, a gentleman that I've, I've got to know a couple years ago, and his name is Mark Bennett. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mark, I know a lot about you. We've had a lot of conversations over the years, but um, what people listening in may not know about you, you and your background. Sure. Do you mind sharing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Chris said, it's uh, Mark Bennett. I'm the CEO and founder of MicroGigantic, and MicroGigantic is a small boutique agency and we create digital experiences for brands um, that connect brands with their consumers, with guests, with employees. And for us, digital experiences are anything from kiosks to stadium billboards to digital signage in a healthcare uh, waiting room to corporate lobbies. Mm -hmm. You sort of name it, wherever there's a screen and you can put motion content on it, we will strategize with clients and figure out how to produce the right content that engages the guest.
0: So you're talking about experiences where you're intersecting real life with digital touch points, so to yep. speak, right? Those exactly. The kiosks, those various different things. And I know a lot of health systems across the country utilize these digital signages or whatever. It's, it always seems like a clumsy name, digital signage. Yeah, right?
2: digital signage is really sort of, as I see it, it's a, an umbrella term for anything that can be wayfinding. Mm-hmm. It could be um, a digital kiosk that um, that doctor's offices use as a patient intake form mm-hmm. to help reduce mm-hmm. the, the time that patients are dealing with um, staff. It can be screens uh, like a private TV network mm-hmm. where so you're not watching Fox Sports or whatever it is um, that you have a, a branded TV network and then you can communicate and educate and uh, entertain. It can be at retail, it can be about promotional it can be about advertising, it can be about education. So it's really, it is screens. It's either interactive or passive. And they're sort of everywhere.
0: And I see them everywhere, wh- wherever I go. And it's it's become now ubiquitous in our lives as we're engaging, walking through you know, bricks and mortar that they're digital screens that we interact with. I mean, not only in our pockets, right? But we're interacting with them now on walls and ways to get into elevators and all these other things. So this is a, an industry that's continuing to grow. And the way you can actually enhance experiences are growing as well, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's... It's huge, sort of year after year, the digital signage as, a, as, a, as an industry um, umbrella is growing at like 30%. Wow. And it's just crazy how, how quickly, because brands want an experience
0: mm-hmm. with
2: their consumers. Mm-hmm. And one way they do that is through screens and technology and they want, it, and physical spaces. So that's sort of where our expertise lies, is, is how do I get consumers to experience a brand on a screen, whether it's touch or passive, um, in a physical space?
0: So when you're saying that, that can mean so many different things for organizations. And a lot of times in, in healthcare, care, when I sit in, like mo- in waiting rooms or I go into lobbies and kiosks and things like this, they're not necessarily interactive. They maybe you touch a button and, you know, or what have you. Talk a little bit about your, what you're seeing in terms of how experiences are being enhanced sure. by these tools.
2: I think brands, like I said before, are trying to engage consumers and meet them where they are. So in the healthcare space, that could be the lobby of a medical building. Digital experiences show up in many different ways, it could be a wayfinding kiosk. We know it's very, very complicated to find your doctor's office in a 30-story you know, medical building. Mm-hmm. And so wayfinding is one touch point that allows a consumer to experience the brand. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the doctor's office itself, whether or not that doctor's office is um, very updated and all the furnishings are updated and there are screens on the wall and those screens are helping educate those patients, or if they're not, you're gonna have a brand experience, a brand perception of that particular waiting room. And in waiting rooms, we can do all sorts of things from helping with intake, from reducing perceived wait time. You almost always are waiting for a doctor. So one way we can reduce perceived wait time is that we can put screens up on the wall and uh, message to consumers and say, I know you're in the doctor's office, you're just about to see your family practitioner or whatever it is. Have you thought about these five things to ask your practitioner,
0: Hmm.
2: right? And so we can message to them in a loop that has um, eight or ten different topics. And while they're there, we can talk to them, educate them about um, what they should talk to the doctor about, about concerns, whether or not it's um, spring, fall, summer. We can make it about flu um, season. We can, And so that content can change constantly. Mm-hmm. And so per- reducing perceived wait time is a, is a big reason we do that, but it's also about experiencing a brand. You can brand these things, you can sell them, you can sell advertising on them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that we see a lot is, especially in the healthcare space, is that corporations want... Consumers to experience a brand as soon as they walk in the door. Mm -hmm. And that used to be all about physical experiences, right? Right. It's the tile, it's the carpet, it's the wall coverings, it's the lighting, and whatever it is. Now, all the architects that we are working with come to us because they want a digital experience as well as the physical experience. And our expertise is how do you? How do you merge that together so it feels like it's part of the experience? Mm -hmm. There's a project that um, we've been working on uh, and doing a lot of strategy around, which is how do we make patients feel relaxed when they're walking through a hospital? How do we change the mood so that they feel comfortable, they feel supported, they have a reduced anxiety? because going to the doctor raises their anxiety and they may be going to see a loved one. So how do you create a mood with screens and the appropriate content to to alleviate that anxiety a little bit?
0: That's a good question. How would you do that? Because, you know, a lot of times what I see when I sit in the... in you know, I, I don't want to pick on waiting rooms, but waiting rooms is a, a lot of times where I see these digital screens. They're just cycling through. It's almost like a PowerPoint on, on repeat. Now, what you're talking about is something a lot different, right? It's like kind of changing their their mood, their their perception as they're it, as they're navigating through a physical space. What are the, some of those things that that you, that are you know co- to potentially tools at your disposal?
2: We see it a couple different ways you're right if the at the end of the day if the content is not engaging (laughs) no matter where it is nobody's looking at the screen Mm -hmm. right and one way that digital signage in waiting rooms is changing is the the platforms work for both screens and mobile Mm -hmm. so that you're sitting on your phone and you're looking at the mobile device anyways and i can create content that's on the screen but is also on your Whoa. mobile device, <laughs> really? so that y- you're you're more engaged uh-huh. because uh, I can I can sort of break that barrier between having a screen up on the wall and your mobile device and message to you. So that's one way. Wow. The other way is that is that I can create an entire wall of screens and create a mood with the appropriate content, and whether or not that's um, natural scenes, waterfalls, Mm -hmm. um, things that are very calming, cool colors, things that are very sort of artistic, so that that very much bring down your anxiety. You know, there's there's specific colors that will do that, right? Mm -hmm. There are specific scenes that will reduce anxiety. But there's also, in those cases, these giant video walls, you can also do really um, supportive messaging, so they, the, the, the consumers that are walking past, um, you don't want to do too much messaging, but when the consumers are wi- walking past, they get this idea that they're supported, that this health organization is fo- here for them to
0: help them get through this particular ailment this is completely a different approach, right? Because in in the past, again, I, and I'm in my experience, I've worked with digital screens and a lot of times it's marketing kind of being the people that are architecting what you're going to see on these screens. It sounds to me like the projects that you're working on, you're working with more than just the marketing department. You're, it's almost like you're, you're also working with the, the people that are looking at the layouts like the architects and the designers. Is that fair? Yep.
2: Yeah, totally fair. And and frankly we we sort of see it it used to be a two-legged stool Mm -hmm. which was always cumbersome because it was it Mm -hmm. and and it hired an av company to put screens up and marketing came in at the last minute and said wait a second this software this hardware doesn't work with Mm -hmm. these screens and These are our goals, and we can't put the right messaging up. And then it became a three-legged stool where it was marketing, IT, and an AV provider. Mm -hmm. And now it's really gone sort of upstream where it's when they are reimagining what a space is going to be, there are screens that are incorporated into that, and that's where we come in. Architects are fantastic at at building physical spaces. They don't know anything about screens, nor how screens and the right content can change the mood of that space. Mm-hmm. So, if a, a giant hallway between, two, between a, a, a medical building and a parking garage is mostly patients during the day, but there's also a hotel attached, how should that content change at night? Because huh. now you've got hotel guests that are coming and going, and so thinking about the strategy around the right content is something that we do as well and so that's a, it's a huge thing so there are much more when you're creating an experience it's much more about marketing and i.t and the architects and a um, company like ours who can come in and pick the right software solution pick the right hardware solution but more importantly figure out where the screen should go, what those sizes and shapes should be, and what content should be on it, and how often that content should change. How should it change based on time of day, time of year, what the guest is doing. So we wrap that up in a ball that we call content strategy. And every project that we do starts with content strategy first, because then that'll tell you, do I have the right software? Do I have the right hardware? And what content do I have to produce and how much
0: of it. Some projects that I've worked on before too, it's like you also have to think about how people are interacting with those spaces. So have you do you work also do user kind of user experience design work where you're looking to see traffic patterns and and anticipated wait times to, to help shift that content strategy?
2: That's a part of the, the front end of the mm-hmm. content strategy is understanding the guest, mm-hmm. uh, who they are, how often they're there. Uh, what's on their mind and does that change seasonally is there an issue with perceived wait time Mm -hmm. do we need to educate them and entertain them so it feels like they're there for a lot less time Mm -hmm. that's there's sort of metrics that we have been proven that we can really reduce the amount of time that people feel like they're waiting if we have the appropriate content so that all happens on the front end which helps us execute on the back end
0: I want to uh, jump back to something you alluded to before, which is sort of the interactivity now, because now these screens are not just static screens. Many of them are interactive, not only with like your phone, like you were mentioning, and I like to get into that a little bit, but also like some of these screens you can interact with by touching. And, and, and tell us a little bit about that.
2: Sure. So I think we've learned as a culture mm-hmm. um, a lot about interacting with screens, right? We're very comfortable interacting with our own screens, Kiosks are a really interesting interesting case study because um, when I I spent seven and a half years at Target, we did a lot of testing with kiosks. Mm -hmm. And unless it is solving a problem for that guest, it will not get used. So there has to be a problem to solve with that guest, otherwise nobody touches them. In a healthcare situation, if you're in a waiting room and instead of getting a clipboard and a pen, mm-hmm. somebody hands you a tablet and you can go through and answer all these questions. It's not necessarily solving a problem for the guest, but the guest is being asked to fill it out and it's all interactive mm-hmm. and it it solves problems on the back end for the healthcare providers. Wayfinding is another one, yeah. where people are very used to touching screens and figuring out where they want to go. Um, now, Wayfinding works really, really well, and you have lots of case studies where you can, you can learn where um, people are touching, how often they're touching, and then you make adjustments to the screens themselves, right? That, that works really well. Probably the best use case that I've seen about wayfinding is the ability to take wayfinding that was in a physical space in the lobby of a hospital, mm-hmm. for instance and be able to port that to your mobile device. Mm. So there are digital signage wayfinding platforms out there that work both in a physical touch screen display in a lobby, but that also work on your your device. Wow. So that you're taking the physical, you're taking your phone and it's showing you exactly where to go, just like you see in the hospital with a blue line that says, you know, take a left to go to the infirmary, whatever it is. Yeah. You're using your phone, and that's sort of the best s- case that I've seen, mm-hmm. um, because you already have it in your pocket. You don't have to rely on beacons. You don't have to rely on, as long as you have a connection in the hospital, right. you're allowed to uh, figure it out with your phone and you put in your pocket and you're done.
0: So I hear a lot, though, with uh, people that are, you know, thinking about interactive screens in and, and health systems that, uh, you know, there's the common, I, I don't know, maybe it's a misnomer or common, or, uh, you know, but that that the screens themselves are like, why would I want to touch a screen? It's kind of dirty. It's got germs all over it, and other sick patients have touched it. Is that, uh, is that a concern, or is there technology? Absolutely. Yeah? So yeah, I
2: mean, there was a there was a McDonald's example last year, I think it was, about them finding fecal matter on a McDonald's oh, menu <laughs> touch screen, right? And that's a huge issue. Um, so they've got um, they've got people that'll clean it, they've got antibacterial um, films that they can put on the screen, but yeah, that's a, yeah. a real issue, which is why, in my mind, being able to use your own device mm. and do wayfinding or ordering menus is a much better scenario right. than, uh, than having to touch something.
0: Right, because then you're just touching your own fecal matter. Right, really. and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what other use cases are you seeing that potentially coming from outside of healthcare, like in the retail space or others, that maybe ones that, for those of us in the hospitals, should be paying attention to?
2: So I think a lot of... Um, What I see, we, having come from Target, we see a lot of scenarios where screens are being used to sort of set the mood, Mm -hmm. right? And so you don't see that in healthcare yet. Mm -hmm. So what the the sort of scenarios we see in healthcare are wayfinding for sure. We also see in doctors, uh, in waiting rooms, we see um, screens up there. They haven't got to the space yet where people are doing it really, really well in terms of educating consumers or entertaining consumers to, to reduce that perceived wait time. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really see as an opportunity is to build these video walls in public spaces that allows you to message to consumers that Reduce their anxiety, to educate them a little bit, but it also changes the entire mood of the space. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. That's where I think people can go. Um, and you know, we're going to get to technology. Our screens are so thin right now, mm-hmm. but in the next five years, we're going to get to technology that that you can put on the wall and it's a, as flexible as a piece of paper yeah um, and so when that technology hits and it comes down to a cost level where an entire wall can be a screen uh, that is not heavy that doesn't require the gigantic infrastructure then you're going to be seeing these experiences change dramatically about walking through a space and one day it could be a rainforest and the next day you can be in the mountains
0: wow I guess when you can set the atmosphere, that's great. But do you anticipate that these screens will now start to identify you personally and start to interact with you and say, hey, welcome patient Chris Boyer to the hospital?
2: So we can already do that. Okay. Right? We can, we, from a demographic perspective, there are cameras built into the screens already. So we can say... Um, I don't know your exact name, but uh, if you've been here before and you've given us permission on your mobile device, I know who you are. I know approximately your your um, your age and all your demographic information. So I can get that from a screen already. I think the taking it to the minority report level, um, you know, the Apple Store and the Genius Bar is a great example of you've checked in, your name's on a list, Mm -hmm. it tells you sort of when you're gonna go next, Mm -hmm. right? So that's, to me, acceptable from a consumer standpoint. The fact that we can do all this technology to recognize Chris Boyer when he walks into a physical space is great, except what is the use case for identifying you and then letting you know that I know you're here for a particular for a broken arm here are a couple of um, ads that you should watch or entertainment you should watch about a broken arm Mm -hmm. on your mobile device right Um, so I think they're still figuring that yes out Um, it's going to be a super fine line because people are getting more accepting of technology but they also don't want to jump over the line.
0: There's a creepy factor that you have there to be very careful fact. of, yeah. Right. I think that maybe in a patient room and it's it's de- designated to you, that might be one of the early yeah. use cases, right? Because then your nurse staff, your care staff, can maybe even share information with you that might be relevant to you. Absolutely. But again, you know, you have to walk that fine line of creepiness.
2: Right. And in, in a patient room in particular, so if I am the nurse and I know that you are in there for a particular um health scenario and i can push content to you that educates you before the doctor gets in there mm-hmm. explains what the experience is going to be like and what are some possible next steps that is a huge amount of information to make you feel more at ease and i can see that scenario working really really well in a private patient room right it doesn't work so well You can do more generic, what should I talk to my doctor about? You know, bigger waiting room, a private waiting room, then you can get really,
0: really specific. People listening in, many of them may have, you know, been maybe using digital screens in in a different way, and maybe they're curious and interested about learning how to do this. Are there any tips for them to start to think about? Number one
2: is um, start thinking about your guest Mm -hmm. and the experience that you want to create for them in the physical space, and define that. As I would say, define that first. Um, so many of our clients do the absolute opposite, which is, let's call IT, let's get screens, hardware, and software in place, and then we'll figure out what the content is. And that is a big mistake because you don't know what you have to deliver you don't know what your messaging is, platform is, you don't know what the content is, and it may not work Mm -hmm. with the hardware and software that you've selected. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you'll overbuy that and not have enough money
0: for content. I think this is great, Mark, and I really appreciate your time kind of sharing this. And if people that are listening want to learn a little bit more about you, and um, what's the best way for them to find you online?
2: Just online, yeah,
0: Is There's some really cool use cases out there that really show the power of these screens. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.
1: All right, well, special thanks to uh, Mark for coming on and sharing some insights and expertise with us. Really cool to hear about, uh, of course, his company, but also some of the things and some of the ways that this is making its way across what we know as healthcare. Before we get to recommendations today, I did want to point out a couple of things. Uh, touchpoint.health is the website. Rate, review, subscribe, certainly, but also sign up for our weekly e newsletter. Uh, the TPS report, you can find all that there right there on the homepage. A couple of conferences coming up South by Southwest about the second week of March. Uh, be sure to, uh, again, more information on the, the weekly newsletter, but would love to connect with anybody that happens to be there. Uh, that's always a great time there in Austin, Texas. Shortly after that, about a month after that, I guess, uh, in April will be the Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit. Which uh, is where this year? I forget. Las Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada. So anyway, that's always a good time, and I uh, <laughs> love seeing everybody there. And so I'm already already looking forward to that. Be sure to let us know if you're going to be there. There you go. Let's do a couple recommendations. I'll uh, I'll go first today. I'm going to do a uh, do a podcast. My second favorite podcast network is Gimlet, and I've recommended some of their shows over the years. Well, they've got one that. It's been out a little while now, uh, honestly, but not not as long as you think because it comes out every day. So there are a hundred some odd episodes in, but that's what, a third of a year or so. It's called The Journal. It's a partnered show from Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal, which is obviously why it's called The Journal. Uh, it's a daily podcast about money, business, and power, which... On the face, it's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But there are great stories that they dig into. Like the the most recent one that came out uh, that I'm looking at here that I just listened to is the government's quest to crack into iPhones. There are things like uh, the broken business of antibiotics, why Google is pushing into health data. And then also uh, another really good one, if you want to start with one, is from January the 7th of 2020. But it's uh, Inside Carlos Ghosn's Escape from Japan fascinating. He was the former CEO of uh, Nissan. And I won't spoil the whole thing, but he had to escape from Japan. And uh, they talk about that. I want to say they're like roughly 20 minutes-ish long, something like that, and and come out every day. It was called The Journal. I actually don't subscribe to that one. I subscribe to two other daily
0: ones, but that might be our third one on my rotation. I like that. I like that. Sounds really interesting. I'm going to recommend something that's a lot different than a podcast. I like to cook with a lot of fresh vegetables and herbs and stuff like that. I am going to recommend, I guess what you call it as an herb stripping gadget. It's basically a little thing that's about the size of your palm that has a series of small holes in this plastic piece that are different sizes. And the point of this is, is that you take your herbs, thyme, it could be basil, it could be even kale, and you find the right size hole, which is the size of the stem, and you just pull whatever it is all the way through and it strips the stem off of the the actual leafy good stuff that you're trying to actually cook with. I've been doing it by hand for many years, and I'm telling you, it just saves so much time and it's so smart and simple. And you can get on Amazon for like five bucks or you could probably pick it up at your local whatever store you want to get it at. An herb stripping gadget is what they call it. But uh,
1: herb stripping gadget. Well, there you go. Great show today. Something a little bit different. And again, if you've been listening for a while and maybe we haven't touched on something that uh, you would find fascinating, we'd love to hear that and uh, maybe do a show on it. So reach out. You can find us certainly over on LinkedIn or find Chris and I on Twitter. Um, and let us, uh, let us hear from you. We always enjoy, uh, getting feedback on the show and understanding who's listening and why. So speaking of, we'll be back again for a show next week. So for, uh, Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith. We'll see you next time. This has been a Touchpoint media production to learn more about this show and others like it. Please visit us online at touchpoint.health.